And welcome to episode number 44 of the Kerrville podcast. Uh, Michaela here and John Barrera. And today uh, we had some guests lined up. Uh, they could not make it here in person. Uh, we've been talking about doing an episode, you know, with uh, my story. And uh, also we're going to eventually do an episode of John Barrera's story as well. I mean, we've had 43 yeah. guests on so far, you know, and... We haven't really told our stories yet, so yep. at, after 43, I guess it might be appropriate to go ahead and kind of tell our story. So, uh, John, you can go ahead and introduce me if you want. So, uh, Michaela Taylor, you know, it's there, there's so many questions and, and, and uh, things to address that it, it's just, why not do it? Yeah. Why not do it? Um, you know, people, Curvil Breaking News is a big deal. Uh, people have seen for years Mike Taylor on Curveball Breaking News and, yeah. and Mike FM and uh, for for years and years. You're a public figure and uh, that's why, you know, just address it. So Mike Taylor to Michaela Taylor. And uh, so wh- why? You know, what wh- what what is going on in in your life? And. and where where did it start? Okay, so oh, way back, you know. So uh, it's no secret that you know I'm transgender. Yes, I uh, always have been. I was just afraid to uh, say anything about it for a long time, you know. And it kind of dominated my life, you know. Since I couldn't say anything about it, I was afraid that you know I would lose my own, whole family. I was afraid that my uh, friends would be all gone, you know, and I'd just be lonely. And by myself. And and the biggest thing about it is I didn't want to disappoint my parents. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to hurt them in any way, you know, and I'm not, I I don't like hurting people. I never have been somebody that likes to hurt people, but eventually it just got to the point to where, um, how, how long did I have to hurt, you know, and it, it got to the point to where, uh, not coming out with this. Uh, seemed like it was worse than than what could happen if I did. How bad? How bad was it? How bad did it get? Because you explained to me at, at one point that it felt like you committed a crime. Yeah, yeah, I felt like a criminal or something. You know, in, in and, what way? And like I like I had uh, hidden crime. You you know what I mean? Yes. Like like. I couldn't look anybody in the eye for a long time because I had this big secret that I was carrying around, you know, and it was a big secret. I was the only one that that knew it. My wife knew it, you know, Um, my ex-wife knew it. But other than that, nobody else, nobody else did. So, you know, I was doing all this stuff about authenticity and and authenticity is huge, especially in the media business. You know, especially when you're a public figure, and I am a public figure in this area. Yeah. You know, and authenticity, I, I preach authenticity, but yet I wasn't living authentically. Yeah, you were going through Ryan Stuman's um, Apex program. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's a big, big uh, pl- yeah. platform in that program. It all starts with a solid foundation. And, and I've come this far on on a cracked foundation. You know, I've known this since I was a kid. You know, and, and I was ashamed of it because I was afraid of the repercussions. 
that would come if I just came out with it. So I, I've always, you know, heard about transgender and seen it on TV and, yeah. uh, you know, I never thought it would personally affect me. You know, you hear about, Hey, so-and-so's buddy is transgender. And, and, um, honestly, w- when, when you told me, I, I didn't take it as serious as I should have. I, I thought N- nobody did seriously. And I apologize about that. Uh, that's okay. It doesn't, I, I didn't expect anybody to, I mean, I, I didn't. You know, and I've, it's no secret that, and I've been pretty public about this. If you follow my Facebook page, you know that, you know, I'm an alcoholic and, and a drug addict. You know, I'm, I haven't, I'll have 10 or I'll have seven years complete sobriety on the 10th of February, complete sobriety. Wow. Which is a miracle on its own. You know, I'll, I'll have 10 years without alcohol in July 18th, which is another huge miracle of its own. But I would say that, you know, they say you're only as sick as your secrets. Well, this is a pretty big secret Mm -hmm. to carry around. You know, on top of that, you know, gender dysphoria, I I can tell you is, is real. You know, it's, it's something to where it's, it's something that you carry with you all the time. Okay. What, what does it feel like? How did you know? So you were a child. Right. And when did you know that, okay, something's different and I don't, I don't feel like I should. Basically the entire time, you know, um, gender dysphoria, you wake up, you look in the mirror and you're like, who the hell is that in the mirror? You know, you go to the closet and you're like, uh, you can't find anything to wear, you know? Um, nothing, nothing seems right, you know, and then you go through it the day and, and it goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, it really does. It even, even, uh, relationships with, uh, females, you know, uh, it's, there's a jealousy there that goes along with that too. Really? Yeah. I didn't think of that aspect. You know, and there's, there's so much that, that goes along with this. So dealing with that and dealing with the big secret, you know, no wonder I, I dealt with chemical dependency. Yeah. I was about to you ask, know? do you think that your, um, your addictions had something to do with, with your transgender? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I liked, uh, drinking. Yeah, and I like the effects of drugs, but they also kind of helped me cope with what was going on. You know, this is it—it's it, dominated my life in a lot of ways. Really, you, so, you, you know, I—the more I read into this, because, like I said, it's—it's it's directly you're my, you're my very very good friend. You know, when we first started this, um, I'll be honest with you. I reached out to you because I was like, oh, hey, you know, it was more business than anything. And, and yeah. uh, gosh, our relationship has, we've grown close. And uh, it, yeah, and John was one of the first people I told. Yeah. Yeah. You and and I'm, I'm so sorry that I, I seriously didn't. Uh, you, ha- you have nothing to apologize before to me for. Nobody really has anything to apologize. I mean, at first, nobody I told was, I mean, they were either shocked or they thought I was joking. You know, I, 
I came out on Facebook on December 9th and I lost a bunch of Facebook friends. And I thought it was because, you know, I was basically coming out as, as trans. And I, I think a lot of them thought I was playing a joke on oh, people or so, something. So they, and they unfr- got mad because of that. Because the community. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I, I thought my world was going to end. I thought December 10th was, you know, I thought it was over. Mm-hmm. After when, that. When you made that post? When I made that post. And it, it turns out that that was the beginning. So what... The, 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 the day I faced my biggest fear, which was coming out about this and just being honest. When I... When, this is my biggest fear that I've ever had. This is, you know, this is a leap of faith. And I, I thought it was over. I thought everything was over. You know, before I... Before I came out to anybody um i'd come out to a few very close friends and and uh family about this i i I went to jam broadcasting you know and i sat down with justin and leslie at jam broadcasting and i said look i said this is what's going on i said i'm i'm not gonna just keep it a secret anymore i'm just gonna come out with who i am you know and when i did they uh at first, they were a little shocked. Yeah. You know? And I could tell that they thought I was messing with them. You know? Because it's not something that... I, I've done a very good job of hiding this. You know? And... But they didn't hesitate. They're like, you're not leaving. We got your back 100%. They're amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. They really are. You know? And, and I still didn't believe them after that. You know, I, I kind of believe that somebody would actually have my back through this. And I, I've had to go in there and ask him several times, are you guys sure you're, you're okay with this? Cause I'll go if I need to, you know? And, and they're like, what are you talking about? Have you lost any clients because of this? Not, not a single client. Isn't that amazing? It is. It is amazing. <laughs> and I thought I was going to lose them all. I thought they'd all be gone. In fact, I've had clients reach out to me basically saying bravo for, you know, I had one of my biggest clients reach out to me a few days ago in an email and say, you know, this is a bold, courageous move and we're proud of you. You know, I thought this was the end. So I have, I have like five major questions I want to ask. Absolutely. I really do. I I think this is a good, you know, I think this is a very, very, uh, it's going to be a a good podcast and it's going to help. It's going to help. You know, a lot of people who have a lot of questions because some people, this is their first time dealing with this, including myself, including me. This is my first time too. It's yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to ask you, what is the, what's the biggest question you get and what is the biggest question answer you'd like to address that you think people are afraid to ask and should people ask you, would you be offended? You know, because when, when you first told me, I was like, I don't want to offend her or, or offend at the time. I don't want to offend him, you know, and, yeah. it, and it's hard to switch for people, you know, do people, do you want them to not talk to you because they're afraid to offend you? Like, please tell me. All right. So nothing you ask me is going to offend me. Absolutely. Nothing you ask me is going to offend me at all. The biggest question I've had, be you know, how, how and you and Chelsea, can you and Chelsea stay together? Mm. 
you know, and Chelsea and I have been married for almost two years. It'll be two years on March 16th. And, you know, I love Chelsea. We're, we're staying together 100%, you know, push that, push that applause button right there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's not a question and, you know, things are going to continue the way that they have, Yeah, you know, uh, without me saying too much. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not going to change. But what is changing is I'm a lot happier now. You know, I'm not depressed all the time. I I uh, I was depressed all the time. It didn't matter what I did, where I went, how successful I was or anything. I was still depressed. You know, you're always – I left home at 19 on a Greyhound bus in St. Louis and took a Greyhound bus. And, and I was – I didn't know what was going on with me at the time. You know, let's back up about 18, yes. 19 years. yes. You know, I, I had gotten in trouble with the law. I'd gotten some DWIs. I uh, my I was very much into my alcoholism and addiction mm. at that time when I was a teenager. And I, I didn't know what to do, where to go. And I thought that maybe if I went to Texas, and I was thinking about how awesome it would be to transition then when I was 19, you know, but I just couldn't. I, there was still that fear. There was no social media. I could be a thousand miles away from home. People at home would never know, you know, and those are the thoughts I had, you know, and I got down here and even with people that I didn't even know, I, the, the fear was still there of what would happen. You You're know? in the most conservative yeah. area, probably in the United States. Yeah. And uh I, I But think- let me tell you something. The people here have been amazing about this. They might not understand it, but you know the, the horror stories that you hear on the news and the media and everything. From the hardcore right wing. Yeah, none of that stuff yeah. has happened. None of that stuff. I'm very concerned. No nobody has said uh, anything even remotely negative. I mean, there there have been a few people at, at first, yeah. But since then, nobody nobody has said anything remotely negative towards me. I mean, they've they've been the most conservative people here in in the most conservative part of Texas. This is probably the most conservative part of the world that I'm in. They've all been accepting and and loving. It's been it's been crazy, mm. you know. But that's not what I was afraid of. What, what was your biggest fear? I was afraid of hurting my family. And I knew that no matter what, even if I was in Texas or or Missouri or wherever I was, I was afraid of hurting my family. You know, and they were they were a little taken aback at first. You know, the the last person that I uh wanted to hurt was my dad, you know. And he was a little, it wasn't, wasn't an easy thing for him mm. to digest, you know. It took a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if he's fully accepted it yet, but we're on speaking terms again, which is good. Did you so. expect everybody to be that way or did you expect it? What did you expect I, when you told people, what did you expect people to automatically shun you did you expect people to be 100 percent on board i i expected the full rocks and beer bottles treatment everywhere really I went. you were afraid i was i was terrified 
absolutely terrified of what would happen. Some people take their lives because of this. So there is, a, I'm glad you brought that up too. There, you know, transgender people, there is a 41% ad- attempted suicide rate with transgender people, 41%, almost half. So it, it's something that, and th- those are that we know of. That's, that's what that we know of. Mm-hmm. What about the people that were afraid to come out and never told anybody what was going on? Because I guarantee you there are a lot more people out there that they know, but they're afraid to, to say anything. There's no and, right way to do it. And let me tell you something. Um, It might seem like the end of the world, but for me, it was really the beginning of life. You know, I feel like I've been reborn, seriously, and I didn't start out comfortable, you know. Um, it, It's it's uncomfortable. It's, there's growing involved in this. Yes. You know, and I probably said, you know, 5,000 times on this podcast. It so. don't matter. That, you know, this is, a, this is as real as it gets, and this may not even be posted. I, I just yeah. think it's a, I think it's not only healthy and if it does get posted i think it's going to help a lot of people i mean 10 15 years from now somebody could look back on this and be like look where michaela taylor started yeah you know it's real it's real and i think you're going to help a lot of people coming from the most conservative place in the country i think you're going to help a lot of people and i think i think uh you know i may get a little backlash for this but I think uh, God gave this to you because God knew the position you were going to be in and the platform you were going to have. And you may, even if it all comes down to saving one life, I th- I think it's for a reason. And you know what? That might happen, you know, and, and that might very well, well be what this is all about. I do believe in God. I believe in Jesus 100 um, percent. I am a Christian. And I, I believe that I don't believe I'm going to hell over this. No, I don't think so. And I, I know a lot of people out there would, uh, disagree with me, you know, but here's the deal. I was already in hell for a long time and everything I did felt wrong and it feels right now. So if, if, uh, hell feels right, then it's a hell of a trick. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I'm living up to why I was created now. Um, and I hope I do help some people. I hope some people do get some inspiration off of this and realize that your world doesn't end when you embrace who you are. That's a tough one. A lot of us are afraid to embrace who we really are because we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of a negative outcome from it. But let me tell you, um, it's, it's a mirage. Stepping into who you are and being who you were meant to be. There's fear there. And when you face that fear, just like any other fear of things that you know you're supposed to do and you don't, the outcome is the rewards and the outcome from it outweigh anything else you can do before you face that fear. Every time. 
you're 100% genuine now. Yeah. I don't I don't have anything to hide. I can be me now. So there's no there's no textbook way to address this. I mean, how did where did you look to? Did you look on YouTube? How do I, you know, how do uh, I I spent a lot of time on YouTube. I spent a lot of time on Reddit. There are a lot of Reddit forums. You know, I uh I started seeing a psychologist about it. How did, how is that helping and and is it worth it? That's that's really helped me quite a bit. You know, because I meet with her once a week, and by the end of it, I've, I've had some really tough days since I started this. It hasn't been all, you know, Mm-mm. 100% great or anything. You know, I, I've I've had some really tough days. I've been depressed sometimes. It's not depressed because of uh, what I'm doing. It's be- I'm depressed because of what I think the outside world thinks of me. That's what has gotten me depressed. It hasn't been anything about what I'm doing. It's been the outside world and my thoughts about what I think the outside world's thinking of me that has gotten me depressed. So I had some fears. And after talking with this, with, with uh, the psychologist and everything, I, I wrote down these fears. And then after I wrote down the, the fears on a notepad, I wrote down the truth about the fear and kind of a rebuttal against the fear. And as soon as I did that, and as soon as I looked at the rebuttal, and I looked at which one's more practical, those fears, like, disappeared. So there's a common trend on the Curvo podcast with prominent people we have in here, whether it's a political figure, a lawyer, a business owner. And uh, the most, I've said it before, and you have too, the most common trend is taking a leap yeah. you know before you start a business before you run for mayor before you uh go to law school there, and that has really helped me a lot too you know leap. seeing that all these other people that have taken that now we haven't had anybody on this uh transition transition their gender <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but they all have taken gigantic leaps of faith and they went all in and uh i bet there was more fear behind that leap yeah, I'm going to lose everything. Probably, probably uh, running on some parallels there to my fears. Lose everything. And, and then on the other side is greatness and success and happiness. It's still going to suck and be hard. It's yeah. It, it, yeah. That never ends. That never ends. I don't know if you've heard of David Goggins, but this guy's a, you know, ex-Navy SEAL crazy beast. And, and he, he's just like... Every day is going to suck and you got to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation if you want to grow. And, uh, you're doing that on a huge scale that I I can't even, I I can't even tell you the respect that I have for you. But it's kind of like an oxymoron too, because the more of an uncomfortable situation I put myself in, the more comfortable I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're training yourself, you know? You put yeah. yourself through the suck and then the things that come up in everyday life that would knock down a normal person, you're like, bring it on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've also, I started HRT back in December. Yeah. That was going to be my next uh, yeah. thing to ask. You're yeah. changing. So, yeah. I am changing. And, you know, I, I would say probably three to four more months from now, I'll look more female than, than male. I'm kind of androgynous right now. 
which means I kind of look like male and female in some ways. And and the HRT, if you don't know what it is, it's it's it can be several different forms of of estrogen. And there's another uh, it, it blocks the uh, testosterone. And I had low testosterone to begin with. My testosterone has always been at the bottom. As far as I know, I had it tested last summer, and it was hit down at 300, which means that my body has really never fully developed because it hasn't had enough testosterone to do that as male. And there are some other physical things that me, you know, some things uh, from when I was born and, and, and those kinds of things that, it might have something to do with this too, you know. Uh, but now I've started the HRT and now the estrogen has taken over. And I tell you what, I'm sassy. I'm s- <laughs> you know what? I, I saw you when, when you pulled up the other day. Yeah. Because we haven't seen each other in like, what, a month? Yeah, it's, Maybe been, it's been a while, yeah. And uh, I was like, holy crap. You look good. Yeah, my skin's a lot softer. My hair's growing hair, out. I, I, yeah. What's that? What's, what do you take for your nails and hair? What's that? Uh, I take collagen. Oh, man. Yeah. Biotin really doesn't. You can take biotin too, but yeah. But here's the other thing. You know, I didn't take care of myself before. I was 196 pounds, which isn't obese, but it's in the obese category yeah. for my height. Yeah. You know, and so I guess it is technically obese. You know, I was 196 pounds. I, I didn't take care of my skin. I uh, I was lazy. I didn't exercise. I didn't eat right. I ate whatever I wanted. And those are all things that it, to, to be successful and to be the most elite version of yourself, you, you have to do those things. You have to exercise. You, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to eat right. You know, you have to have a schedule of some sort. There are things that you have to do. You know, mentally, physically, and spiritually to become the most elite version of yourself. And if you miss out on those, then you can't. It's not going to happen. That That's the formula. You got to take care of yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually if you're going to be the most elite version of yourself. And so now I am. Before I was not. It was a big difference. I probably would have been dead in another 5, 10, 15 years because... I ate like crap. I didn't exercise. My cholesterol was through the roof. I don't know where it's at now, but I know it can't be as high as it was because I I'm eating right now. You know, a lot of, a lot of different factors to this. And, and I do believe that I, this saved my life or at least preserved it for a lot longer. And I, my quality of life now, even, even in the past few months is a lot higher than it was just three or four months ago. And I had all the external things. You know, we, we live in a nice house. We, we drive newer cars. I have a dream job. I have a dream family. Why can't that be good enough? Mm. You know, well, because at the core, there was a major malfunction. You know? Foundation, yeah. Yeah, and I, I wasn't embracing who I was. That was the malfunction. And some people say, I say gender dysphoria is the malfunction. And that's fine. You're you, you can have your opinion. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm addressing it. I'm transitioning. And if you look it up on 
all any medical dictionary or medical terminology or anything like that, the way that you um, address gender dysphoria is by transitioning. That's 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 how you do it. There's no cure for it. There's no uh, medication you can take to make it go away. You know, born like this. I I don't know what else I can say unless I embraced it and addressed it. Now it's just always going to be miserable. And I got tired of it and I'm not miserable anymore. So if uh, me not being miserable makes you miserable, I'm sorry, but that's great. Why don't you look at yourself instead of looking at somebody else? It's so true. Yeah. You're never going to be criticized by people doing a lot better than you. I mean, maybe, but you're never going to be truly for the most part, people doing a lot better. You better than you want to bring you up and, you know, people who uh, really, really diss on you have something else internal going on. And I used to not see that. Yeah. I, I look, I look at myself, you know, five, six years ago when I was drinking, I am sober too. I'm an alcoholic. And, uh, and you I, have I was four sober. years. Is it four or five years? I'm now. coming up on five. Coming up on five. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I was so insecure. You want to talk about a jealous jealousy and oh yeah, I was so insecure and and I would have never ever said I was insecure because I would walk around with my chest puffed out like you know like my stuff didn't stink and and uh, you know don't you dare insult me in front of my people because you might hit something that really does hurt and that is the truth and you know I I didn't address any of my problems from credit to finances to. uh, you know, my alcoholism and, and, you know, that that's, that's a way we can relate and is our alcoholism. And that's, that's a whole different story in itself. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm very proud of you. I, I, I am working. And so, so from an outsider, from a friend, I'm working hard on, on the calling you Michaela. At first it was weird you know, it, it it was hard and weird and be like, Michaela, oh, well, I just messed up. Did I, did I offend her? Did I offend him? How, what do I do? What are, you know what I'm saying? And then yeah. I went, I honestly avoided even saying your name or, you know, he, she, uh, Mike, Michaela. And, and, uh, what do you tell people who are, are clients and friends of yours that are kind of in that situation, even though they won't say it because I didn't even want to say it. You know, because it was difficult for me too. So, if you're trying, you know, then how could I be upset with you? Seriously, I'm 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 learning to be myself. I'm being myself. I'm not an activist. You know, um, now I haven't had anybody purposely, you know, misgender me and and that kind of thing on purpose. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. Well, what, you know? what what is going to be? What do you think is going to be your reaction? Because do you think it it will happen? Well, you know, I could blame them for it, or I could blame myself for it. What do you mean by that? Well, I obviously haven't done a good enough job of uh, becoming the, you know, of living up to the gender. You know, I can't if I look like a dude, and people are calling me sir. I really can't get upset with them, you know, for calling me sir. I I don't expect everybody out there to just say, you know, Michaela's transitioning. 
Uh, we all had to call her by female pronouns and, and everything. When they look at me and I look more male than female, I can't expect somebody to, you know, I can't expect the world to change. And appearance. For me. Yeah. But I can change who I am and earn that right. You know, I still believe you get what you earn. I'm not asking for anybody to give me anything. I'm, I'm, I'm still about providing value. You know, the world doesn't owe me a damn thing. I'm still mm. about providing value. You're not I'm a still victim. About, I'm not a victim at all. No. If anything, I was a victim before. <laughs> and I wasn't a victim of the world. Wow. I was a victim of myself. So I hope that answers that. That that's a quote that um I think anybody who's who's you know transitioning, I think I'm not a victim. I I think that goes far. You, you know because I bet I bet it's happened for some people. Oh, Michaela, you know it's gonna be okay. And, you know, yeah, trying to coddle you and what? Do you, how do you react to that? You're like, what the hell? Like, no. Come on, you know. I mean, if if people are misgendering me, then obviously I have some work to do. That's the way I see it. You know, I'm not going to go to GameStop and start kicking stuff over. <laughs> you know. Not, oh man, I'm I'm going to work on myself, and that's what we should all be doing is working on ourselves to be yeah. the best elite versions of ourselves possible. If we want to be the most elite versions of ourselves possible, if we don't, we just want to get by day to day and. You know, leave, get home from work and or drive and stop by and get fast food on the way home from work and sit on the couch, watch TV all night. And if that's the life we want, then great. If we want something more and we want to be the, you know, the best versions of ourselves and live the best life possible as, as that person, we got to be that person. We got to make the steps to become that person. You know, it, it still comes with, you get what you earn. Like I said, I'm not looking for any free handouts. You know, all of my clients out there, all of my radio clients, my goal is to still give you, you know, a hundred times value mm. than, than what comes to me. It always has been, always will be. I'm not looking for people to feel sorry for me, you know, I because really, if you wanted to feel sorry for me, that time was three or four months ago. Not now. What made you... Because we were about to walk out of here and just go on with our days when, you know, our guests, you know, all that happened. What made you say, you know what, let's do this? It was the opportunities now, you know, and I don't know for sure if we'll post this or not. That's okay. But, um, you know, you're here, you came here to do a podcast and our guests, uh, unfortunately, were in another city and... Where you know we had the cameras, we had the mics going. Why not just? Uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so why not do it? You know, that's kind of how I how I feel. Do you want people to call you Michaela right now? Do you want people to call you Mike right now? Uh, I'd prefer that you call me Michaela, but if you call me Mike, I'm not going to get mad. You know, uh, if I if you're not calling me Michaela, then I obviously haven't earned the name Michaela yet. You know. So I see it. So, you know, this, this is not trying to get too touchy. Are you still dad? 
I'm, uh, I saw that on Facebook, yeah. but you know, I wouldn't have addressed it if I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is a tough thing that, that we had to talk about beforehand, you know, before I even started, because look, I was, I was terrified. And, and one thing that, and I'm, I should have brought this up earlier. Um, the biggest reason wasn't my parents, even though they were right up there at the top of the list. The biggest reason was I was afraid I was going to lose my family. You know, I was afraid I was going to lose my kids. I was afraid mm. that that was the biggest thing. Um, and then Chelsea and I were talking about it one night because this has been a conversation that's come up many, many times over the years. You know, and she's known for years. She's known since 2016. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a conversation that's come up many, many times. And I always thought that. It was too far out of reach because I I would lose my family, you know. And once she convinced me that she was not going anywhere and that our kids were good and our kids aren't going anywhere either, then it was like, well, what else what else really matters? You want you know, your home? What what else really is holding me back here? And that's when I was like, you know what? I I I might be able to do this. And I might be able to get out of this trap that I'm in. That's how I felt. I felt trapped. I felt like I was stuck in somebody else's life. And I wasn't living my own life. And, you know, I look back at, at pictures from like 2016, 2017. And like I took the kids to see the monster trucks in San Antonio in 2017. I looked like I should be dead. My my eyes were all sunk in. They were almost closed. They were red. I looked tired. I looked depressed. Not even drinking. Sober. This is, yeah, over three years completely sober at this time. And I, I, looked, I looked terrible, you know. So when I realized that my family was good and that I would keep my immediate family, no matter what happened, no matter how bad things got, that was what, what got me the courage to start the conversations with people. And then once I started the first conversation, you know, I made more calls and more calls. And a lot of other people knew what was going on. And then, you know, when their reactions weren't terrible, I uh, let, let them know at Jam Broadcasting. And then I wasn't planning on coming out publicly in December. That was, uh, I talked to the therapist that day and she's like, well, what's, what's keeping you from just coming out with us? And I was like, well, this, this, and this, this. And she goes, okay, well, so what's keeping you from coming out with us? And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. It's time to just come out and be myself. Scariest thing I've ever done. Best thing I've ever done. Hands down. Best thing. I mean, other than having, you know, my kids. Yes. And marrying my wife. I mean, that was the best thing I ever did. What advice do you have to somebody in your situation that hasn't jumped yet? Listening right now. Fear is an illusion to keep you from greatness. Hands down. 
So before you made the jump, it was worse than after. Uh, well, yeah, what I'm I got, saying was I got the fear, freedom. Was I got the fear freedom worse after. Than, the freedom was a lot worse than. I mean, I'm I'm good now. That's the thing. The, the the misery, the trap is all gone. You know, it's I don't. That stuff doesn't weigh me down anymore. It was all. It's like carrying a, around a hundred pound backpack full of rocks. You know, and after I did that, the whole backpack didn't come off. The rocks came out of the backpack. But then after I sat down and wrote my fears down and wrote the rebuttals to the fears and realized how ridiculous the fears were. And, and I, I would suggest to everybody out there, whether you're trans or not, to write down your fears every single week and write down rebuttals to those fears and then figure out which one's more, more realistic, the fear or the rebuttal to the fear. And then once you realize, like I did, that the rebuttals are more realistic than the fears, the fears just disappear, and they don't they don't carry all that weight on you anymore. That was now the backpack's gone. What do you mean by I have no fear? You're using a three syllable word, and it's, it's good. <laughs> so you know, let's say that you know I'm afraid my family's going to disown me. Like the reaction? Yeah. Let's say that's a fear that you write down, right? Well, and then you write down, well, my family loves me. You know, why would my family disown me for making myself better? And then you read that, and then you get that into your subconscious instead of the fear. And then you're like, well, my family is going to love me no matter what. So the fear doesn't drive. The uh, positive affirmation does. It starts driving, and the fear goes away. And you're able to move past it. My my biggest enemy was was fear. Hands down. It wasn't a person. It wasn't a group of people. It was me and my fears. So now that the fears are gone, now I can be myself. And I tell you what, I'm a hundred more times productive than I was. And I've I've always been a high producer. I'm a hundred times more productive. Mm. Um, what is the, what's the best and worst part about, about coming out? What's the, the, the highs and lows? The best part is I get to be myself now. I get to dress how I want. I get to wear makeup if I want. Whatever I want to do, I, I can do. And it doesn't matter. It's okay. The worst part, um, There really hasn't been anything bad about this at all. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I can't think of any anything negative that's come out of this. That's great. You know, that really is. Whether it's coming out or a business move or, you know, kindling a relationship, I, I hope whoever's listening to this, I hope it helps. And I hope they make the move that they've been afraid to make. Just be yourself. People are always going to talk. I think this was great. Really. Are you are you going to win or are you going to let other people win? Or are you going to let fear win? What if you other people can win and the fear loses?
Is there anything that I haven't asked because I feel like there's there's like a couple of questions I've been missing. Is there anything you think that the public would want to know that's listening to this about Michaela Taylor and about your situation and what's going to happen? What's going you know, what do they expect or anything? Uh as far as I know, I mean, everything is going to keep rolling. Curveball breaking news is going to keep rolling. I'm still going to be a smart ass, you know. Still going to be funny. Still going to make jokes. You know, uh, still me. I'm just a uh, freer me now. How was Rad when you told Rad? I don't think he believed me at first. Really? But he was respectful, you know. So, as as has everybody been. You know, people I wouldn't expect. People I didn't expect. So... You know I'm I'm very right wing and conservative yeah. and you know yeah. I just I don't know. I support you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of myself. It takes it's, it takes some to to make that leap takes some guts. It does. And I I 100% believe I'm I'm on the other side. You know, which is incredible because I never saw myself here. I never thought I'd actually be able to do it. So what do, what do we what is Kerrville to expect out of Michaela Taylor? Are you are you going blonde? Are you going? I'm already blonde. You, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm already there. Some longer hair, you know. What are your goals? What do you? What's your five year goal? Uh, to become the the woman that I was meant to be, you know, and healthy, happy. You know, I have a conversation and be free. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, I've met all these people over the years and, and they're able to just go anywhere and talk to anybody and have a conversation and there, there's not some big thing holding them back. And I've never been able to do that. You know, I've never been able to talk in front of a group of people and actually feel like I'm being authentic with everybody. That surprised me because with every, everywhere I go and I've, I've talked about that before every, everywhere I go, I cannot look people in the eye because I was always hiding something. Hmm. You know, I was always hiding, you know, if they, if they knew this about me, there's no way I'm not being genuine with this person. I'm not being authentic with these people. Would it throw off conversations? Because yeah. Because that's yeah. in your mind. Like, oh, wait, what it would we derail talking? me. It would literally paralyze me and keep me from being able to have a conversation with people. You know, and when you're hiding something like that, what does that do for your self-esteem? What does that do for, for you? It does it no good at all because... You're dealing with that instead of just coming out with it, being yourself and accept me for who I am or don't. You know, there's graveyards full of many headstones of people who never came out and never made that leap and never, never did what you're doing and had had to live the rest of their life the way you were living inside of your head. Or, you know, there's all the people out there that became really bad alcoholics and became really bad drug addicts and no matter what they did they weren't being honest with themselves and the people around them about what they were going through and they ended up drinking themselves to death or overdosing or they ended up having to commit crimes to support their habits nobody knew. ended up in prison and nobody even knew what was at the root you know i i was in treatment in 2008 and I was addicted to uh, Adderall at that time. People would laugh at me because at that time, 
Adderall wasn't that big of a, wasn't really that known. You know, and people would laugh at me. What? You're addicted to a prescription medication. Well, I had this uh, counselor in there, and he's like, I mean, he was prying, trying to get to the root of the issue. Just trying to get get there. And I knew what it was, but I was afraid to even tell him what was going on. He knew there was, it, that something was there? He, he knew something was going on, but he couldn't, he couldn't get down to the to the root of it. You you didn't give in. You resisted the whole time. I did not. I did not give in. Uh, a year after I got out of treatment, almost a year, I was at eleven and a half months sobriety. And uh, if you know about recovery and, and the twelve steps, the fourth step is where you do your inventory, and the uh, fifth step is where you admit to yourself another human being and God. And the, you know everything basically on your inventory and the exact nature of your wrongs. And I had done the fourth step and I had written everything down and this was, this was part of it. And I, um, had my sponsor was on the way over so I could do the fifth step. And I called my sponsor when he was on his way and told him, never mind. And I had something come up and I couldn't do it. So because you weren't real with yourself. Oh, I couldn't admit it to somebody else. What was going on? And my sponsor, uh, he said, okay. And within the next week I relapsed and blew 11 and a half months of sobriety. Now I was proud of that sobriety super proud of it i was like oh my god i might actually have a year of sobriety coming up here in a couple of weeks oh, man. blew it 11 and a half months drank for another three years you know and whatever whatever else came around you know have you ever questioned your sobriety because of of uh, the stress of being transgender actually no I since since I I got down on my knees and and begged God to take away my obsession for alcohol in 2012, I haven't. Um, that was the last day I drank. Was July 17, 2012. My uh, alcohol sobriety date is July 18, 2012, and coming up on 10 years later this year. But that wasn't while it kept me sober. It did not make me happy. It did not keep the depression away. In fact, it kind of made things worse in some regards because I didn't have anything to cope. My coping mechanism was gone. So you talk about white knuckling, you know, bare knuckling through it. That's basically what I did, and I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And, you know, I did some other things, and... Uh, my true 100% complete sobriety date is February 10th, 2014. So I'm coming up in uh, on seven years on the 10th Jeez. of complete sobriety. But it still wasn't enough to uh, to make me happy, you know. I, st- I was still depressed. I was still miserable in a lot of ways because I wasn't being myself. Do you think smoking is going to get uh it's going to be easier to 
I mean, are you trying to quit? Are you still smoking? I haven't smoked in since last year. Really? I'm on the patch, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm I'm weaning myself down on the patch too. You know, I I was vaping there for a little while. Quit vaping. Now I'm on the patch. But yeah, it's easier. Because when you stress out, you want a cigarette or you want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now that the stressors of I know my world's not going to fall apart are gone. My world's not falling apart, so that's gone. I really have no reason to be stressed out about anything. Really. I'm grateful. I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm alive. Does it increase the value of home life? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the things that, I, you know, when you come home and you're all stressed out, that just leads to fights and arguments. Oh, yes. You know, and when you're not stressed out, when you're having a good day, and when you can rebound, you know, negativity without, without becoming negative yourself... It really does help, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. And the little ones... My, my home life is better. Yeah, so, little so, ones can sense stress, too, and then it makes them act out. And, and uh, like, my daughter, if I'm stressed out, she's going to be, you know, a, a toot, you know? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, they, they're going to see that. It's contagious. Yeah, it is contagious. And so you asked about coming out to my kids. So, yeah, that's ch- a hard one. So we came out to... Uh, my ex-wife, and she, I was like, are you shocked? She goes, no, because she knew, you know. And then we came out to uh, to Chelsea's ex, and uh, his, uh, I believe, fiance, and they're like, cool. They're like 100% good with it. Wow. We, and then we came out to the kids, and when we came out to the kids, I was expecting things to not go good especially with my 10 year old jack and so we mm. we brought him in there and we just explained to him what's going on and and that i'm transgender and kind of what that meant without getting real detailed about it you know and they're like okay can we go play our video games i was like really like yeah whatever it's a different world it is a different world it's so much different than it used to be even from 10 years ago yeah yeah well and and somehow they all know about that stuff you know they all they all already know so it wasn't even really a big deal to them there's commercials and there's yeah there's uh on the ipad i mean youtube yeah whether you it's being um shown to us you know, some people f- take offense to it, really, like biracial couples on the on, you know, commercials and, uh, you know, same gender couples on Disney. And, and it, you know, it, slowly it's being introduced and, you know, people used to be afraid of it. Like, I honestly, I was so insecure. I was like, you know, I wasn't homophobic, but I just... uh I would like over, uh, over push my, my, how manly and straight and yeah. how many girls have been overcompensated. Oh, yeah. 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 But it, it is, it is a different world and it's just, you know, I, I'm, it, that doesn't surprise me when you say the, the children act that way. Cause it's, you know, it's like, all right. So I've gone through some changes, you know, over the last few months, I've gone through some pretty big changes, you know, and as the changes happen and as I notice the changes, like I noticed that my, my screen on my phone wouldn't unlock my phone. 
my the face ID want to unlock my phone anymore. I'm like, oh man, you know. And I I asked asked the kids. I'm like, are you sure you're okay with this? And there's never even been a a uh, a hiccup. I mean, they've just been like, yeah, be yourself, do your thing. You know, uh, my four year old calls me girl dad. Girl dad. <laughs> uh, Lincoln. Yeah. And one thing that I told the kids, I was like, look, I don't want you to ever be uncomfortable. You can call me dad forever. I don't care. You can always call me dad. I'm always going to be your dad. Mm -hmm. You know, always going to be your dad. So you can call me dad. And I think that's really helped too. Because they're they're not losing their dad. Their dad is, uh, you know, being the person that their dad was always supposed to be. To be if anything the quality the quality of uh of your fatherhood you know is that's not that's fine yeah you know and you see i want our listeners to know that it's not easy it's it's not easy on the outside too you know am i gonna offend am i gonna you know it doesn't matter it just be yourself and do your thing and as long as you're not trying to be malicious it doesn't matter you know, you keep throwing these big words at me and I'm just, <laughs> I'm over here with the dictionary.com. But, um, gosh, so you're, you're happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Kids are happy. You know, I actually get out and play soccer with the kids now. And instead of, you know, being inside depressed, laying there fighting an internal battle, I'm actually out doing stuff, spending time with the kids now. They're actually uh, getting to know me a little bit better and I'm getting to know them a little bit better. You know, we're actually... We watch movies together now. Like, we all had a movie night Friday night. We all watched the new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, fantastic yeah. movie, by the way, if you're a Ghostbusters fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, living life. Life was on hold for so long because I was battling this. And now, life has began. Okay. We're going to have different listeners. Um, this is the longest podcast we've good. ever done, by the way. Good. Yeah. This is, this at, is uh, healing. We're at 58 minutes here. Good. I really, um, what, what do you say to those people in Curvo who 100% support you? And what do you say to the small percentage of those who don't get it and don't understand and who are stuck in their ways and, and don't want to understand and married to a belief or ideology, ideology, I guess, yeah. like I was to the people out there that are supporters. Y'all are amazing. And thank you for, for having my back. And uh, I'll have your back too, you know, always. And thank you for for just, you know, not being judgmental and and uh, to the people out there that that don't understand it and don't want to understand it, that's okay. You don't have to. I'm not trying to change you. Mm. I'm not. I'm not trying to change you at all. I'm trying to change myself so I can be more comfortable in my skin and be me. And if that offends you, then I'm sorry. But I mean, that's, that's on you. You know, that that's not on me. It's a, it's a them problem. And it took me a little while to realize that, you know, because I I was trying to control everybody around me and I was a control freak in a sense. And I would change myself to control them. And if you think about it, it's really kind of manipulation. 
If you change yourself to try to control the way people around you treat you. You're a puppet. Exactly. I'm seeing a lot of um, what you're talking about, and I'm putting my own, you know, because no one's perfect, and I'm putting a lot of different situations and scenarios. Like, well, what if I address that? What if I... You're helping people, and you're going to continue to help people. I mean this. I mean this. I'm not saying it for the podcast. We might not even post it. I mean it. I think that what you're doing with your platform, you are going to help people make moves that they never thought they were going to make, including myself, because it's like, you know, they say, they say God gives you what you can handle. And I don't know if everybody could have done what you did. I don't know if I could have. So in my mind, I'm like, well, hell, at least I'm not coming out to Kerrville, you know, (laughs) (laughs) no. So perspective, Yeah, yeah, perspective. I, I had a buddy in, in prison for a while and, and I talked to him like like uh, twice a week. And this was over the last couple of years. And he would, his situation would improve my life because I'm like, look, look what he's going through. And he's happy and preaching to me and telling me, you know, how, how to be happy. And I'm like, how, how are you happy? You know? Right, right. So really. You're you're doing you're doing good for not just yourself and your family. I mean it. I can kind of I'm big on analogies, but you know when you were a little kid and you went to a theme park and there was this roller coaster that scared the holy hell out of you, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, you you'd get close to riding the roller coaster, and you turn around and walk away, and you get close to riding it, but you knew you really wanted to ride that roller coaster, and it was all you thought about day and night for a long time. But you'd get close to it and you'd be like, oh, no, I can't do it. And it would get to the point to where you, you, it, it dominated your life, basically. And I'm not saying that roller coasters dominate oh, kids' I, lives. I, I see. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and then you ride the roller coaster and you're like, man, that was, that was awesome. But then all that, all that before that you're fighting is gone now. It's gone. And you can focus on other things. That's, that's where I'm at. Fear. Yeah, the fear is gone. That should be the title of this podcast. Yeah. Facing your fear because it's real. And I've noticed every single situation I've been in, the fear was always worse than the actual act of doing what I feared. It's the truth. Yep. 100%. It's the truth. 100%. I can't think of anything to where the actual act was worse than the fear. Yeah. Fear if, fear is a killer. It's great. I'm glad we did this, whether we post it or not, really. I, yeah. I don't know if I, if I have anything that, anything else I, I'm curious about. I really don't. Well, I hope I answered uh, your questions and anybody else's questions out there. And uh, we, we're grateful that you, if you're still on this podcast and you're still watching or listening to it, we're grateful that you're still here. And uh, we're grateful for you, too, 100%. You know, whether you support or don't support, we're still grateful for you. And whether you do support or don't support, 
if uh, you're broken down on the side of the road, odds are I'd still stop and try to help you. So, uh, much love to everybody out there. I think that's going to wrap up number 44 of the Curvo Podcast. 44. And, uh, man, what a morning. Thank you, what John. What a morning. Hey, thank you, Michaela. All right. Y'all until have a blessed day. Next time, Thursday. Who's our guest Thursday? Thursday is um, Pat with Hill Country Wellness. Um, they provide um, care to Peterson Hospital. So awesome. It's really, really, really good. That'd be a great one. All right. Until then, have a good one. All right.